tattoos and the beards, and you think, boys, they're hard guys. And they probably are hard guys. But if you ask them about their bike, they'll stop and they'll start talking about, these are Vance and Heinz pipes, and you're their best this, and this is that, and we've got the GPS. and they'll, they'll explain it all to you because they love praise. We were created to praise. Did you know that? But more importantly, God loves praise. The Bible says, and for thy pleasure. That's a Greek word, enios. It means it's the same root word for praise. And for thy praise, they are and were created. You and I were created to praise God. And until we function in that priestly function of praising to the Lord and giving him praise and us praising him, there's a vacuum inside of us that will only be filled as you and I praise him. Are you with me tonight? Do you feel me? Well, don't forget, encourage me now, because I'll I'll only speak for 20 minutes if you don't encourage me. Thank you, that's encouragement. So you want me in 20 minutes. (laughs) But, you know, there's a vacuum inside of us that will only be fulfilled, because we're we're a spirit man. We're spirit, soul, and body. It will only be fulfilled as we worship God. And we'll try and fill that with something or someone else. And, and material things are, are two and three wives, and it doesn't work out because we're, not, we're made to, and we were created to worship God. And understand that God loves it. He created us to praise Him. He created us, and, and when we, we, we come together like we did tonight, and we start singing songs like I Surrender All, and, we, and we're just standing there, a, a small group of people, and you know, we, we made the heart of God happy tonight. I can just imagine God, I have a great imagination, and I can imagine God looking over the balustrade of heaven and, and Jesus beside him and looking down to Carol here in the gates of the city and saying, look at that. They're praising us. Never mind the blood moon. Never mind what's going on tonight. Never mind all the stuff that's going on. Look at that church down there praising us. We're saying, I surrender all. We made the heart. God loves it. The second thing you need to know about praise is the flesh hates it. Your flesh does not want to praise the Lord. The flesh will keep you in your seat with your arms folded in an old religious lock, arm lock, thinking to yourself, I shall not be moved. That's what the flesh would do. Isn't it true, though? You're laughing, but isn't it true? In fact, if the flesh had its way, you wouldn't be here at all. You'd be back home watching the game. But it's okay. If, hopefully, most of you got DVRs. You can DVR it and praise God. But the, the truth is, you know, the flesh hates it. We don't want it. We, and, and, you know, we, we, we think, well, we don't, we'll sit down. What will people think? Who cares what people think? You know, I've been married for 40 years to the same woman. And when I started dating my girlfriend, my, my, my Margaret, who was my wife now, when I started dating her, you know, you ever notice young people when they're dating, you know, they hold hands and they, they walk down the street and they kind of kiss and, coodle and canoodle and laugh and carry on. And, you know, it's like it's the best love in the world. You know what I'm saying? You, understand, you remember some of you guys? You remember what you did? I mean, well, I'm going to bring it to your remembrance, you old guys. I'm going to bring it and, and stir up your love life. But, you know, you, did, you, you would walk down and you, and you held hands and you kissed and you laughed and you smiled. And you never saw the older people looking at it and thinking, <laughs> they'll learn soon enough, you know. But, but you didn't care. You know why? You was in love. And when you and I get in love with Jesus, you won't care what people think. You won't care about lifting up your hands. Are you getting the message tonight? No, this is not what I'm preaching on. This is a little, little, little preamble here because I feel somebody needs to hear it. You don't care. You're in love. I'm in love with a lover. You know why I love Jesus? 
You know why you love Jesus? Because he first loved us. We're only reciprocating back the love to him. Because the Bible says in Romans 5, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Aren't you glad for that? He made the first move. And you're glad we didn't make the move. We had no time for him. We didn't even think about him. But he made the first move. He sent his son. God sent his son to die for us so we could sit here tonight and talk about loving Jesus. You feel the Holy Spirit here tonight. The presence. God loves it. The flesh hates it. Don't give your flesh. You know, it's a funny. Your body is your donkey. Some thin donkeys, some well-fed donkeys. But your body is your donkey. And you'll tell your donkey what it's going to do. You tell it, get up in the morning and have breakfast. Go to work. Go back at night. Have dinner. Do this, do that. Go to the movies, whatever. You tell your donkey what to do. But the funny thing is, when it comes to church, we allow the donkey to tell us what to do. How stupid is that? Well, you don't praise God tonight. You know, people are looking. Okay. You, know, are you, you don't feel like praising God. How many know it doesn't mean... It, feeling like praising God has got nothing to do with it. I used to hate that expression, I feel led. Now, never come to me and say, I feel led, Brother Cameron, because I hate it. Because mostly when they say, I feel led, that's a preamble to something that they really want to say, and they're blaming God for it, I feel led. You know, and I used to say to people, if you want to feel led, stick yourself with a pencil. <laughs> You're coming. They got the point. That's the other part of the joke, yes. I'll be quick there. But you know, the truth is, it's got nothing about us feelings. The Bible says, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. It's got nothing to, you know, nothing to do with how we feel. In fact, if you don't feel like praising God, that's the very time you need to offer the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of your lips, giving thanks unto God. How many times have I held up my hands when I've been going through a valley and going through stuff? And people say, well, preachers, you don't do that. Oh, yes, we do. You heard me, you heard me talk about my family today when I've gone through hell. I've never stopped there. I've gone through it. Because while I was going through hell, I would stick my hands up and say, God, you're worthy. Lord, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Father, we worship you. I don't care what this is, Lord, but I know you're bigger than all my problems. You're bigger than all my fears. You're bigger than all my perplexities. You're bigger than all my anxieties. You're bigger than all my bills. Are you with me tonight? You're bigger than all my problems. You're bigger than all my fears. And it's amazing when you start praising God, you start building yourself up. That new man. I remember years ago, an old brother in the Lord said to me, Robert, there's two men inside of you. There's a new man and there's an old man. And the one you feed the most will grow the most. And haven't we fed the old man well? I mean, I don't mean by food, but just with gratification. We buy ourselves the best. We buy nice cars. We buy nice homes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we let the new man go dormant. But I'll tell you something. When you know I'm going to praise God, we exercise the new man. That inner man of the heart begins to rise up in the inner side and lift his hands and say, I'm for you. I love Jesus. We begin to feed that new man. When you come into the church and we praise God with the band, and you're feeding the new man. You're crucifying the flesh. Aren't you hear me? You're crucifying the old man, but you're feeding the new man. Don't get me wrong. People say, there used to be a song going around, the old man is dead. No, the old man is not dead. I've got news for you. Your old man is not dead. He's pretty much alive. That's why Paul says, I crucify my flesh daily. 
Are you getting this tonight? This is the preamble. We're going to evangelize, but before we learn to evangelize, we're going to learn to worship. Because you'll evangelize just with works, and it doesn't work. But if you evangelize in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to work. You're going to see results. God loves it. Second thing is, the flesh hates it. And the third thing is, the devil is devastated by it. The devil was the leader of praise in heaven. He knows the power of praise. Lucifer knows the power of praise. He saw that. He saw that as he stood there just leading the choir of heaven and that cacophonous sound was, was just permeating the, the, the heavens and, and he would walk up and down the Bible says, in the coals of fire and he thought to himself one day, I want this for me. And he was cast out of heaven. But he still remembers the good days. He still remembers the power of praise. He still remembers the power of worship. Are you with me today? And when you and I begin to worship, when you and I begin, we may be weary, we may be tattered, we may be in shreds, but when you and I get up and begin to worship and we lift our weary hands and we stand up our feet slowly because stuff is heavy on our shoulders and we just can't see, the, it can't see, to see the light at the other tunnel, when you and I begin to lift our hands and start to praise God, he trembles and every demon in hell trembles at the sound of his name. Can I hear an amen? He signed my deed with his atoning blood. He ever lives to make his promise sure. Though all the hosts of heaven march in, all the hosts of hell march in to make a second claim, they all march out at the mention of his name. That when you start to worship, I just had a little thought I thought I'd give you tonight, you know, because we need to learn. We need to understand we're not just filling in time for the preacher to come. It's a call to worship. Because before we eat, God eats. And he eats on our, he feeds on our worship. He feeds on our praise. And it's not just about the songs. Songs, maybe you can't, maybe you don't, some of you don't even like the songs. It doesn't matter. We have people come to our church. Like I said, we have a big church, th- thousands of people. And we have older people come and they have earplugs. Because the, it's, the music's too loud. Because you can imagine a bigger church that's a lot more loud <laughs> than here. And, uh, but yeah, that's all right. They get earplugs because they love what God's doing. And they stand there, and they don't necessarily sing the song, but they worship God while they're standing there. Now, I encourage you to sing the song as well. That encourages the band. But you know what I'm saying? These people, you know, that's, that's like they've been in the church for 50 years, but they love what God's doing, and they'll just come along anyway, put earplugs in, but still worship God. Because it's about the heart. The heart. Because the Bible says, son, give me your heart. He never said, give me your head. He said, give me your heart. Because when God gets our heart, he gets everything we possess. The moment I signed that deed, that marriage certificate, how many know my life was not my own anymore? I was, I'll give you a laugh, right? Because, so, you know, men are clueless. You woman, you're, you're smart. Men are clueless. So after, we, 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 were, we were married, and, and I was 23. My wife was 17. She's a young girl, and, but she was very mature for 17, and I was very immature for 21, so 23. So we worked out in the middle somewhere, and we're still together 40 years later. And she's still smarter than me. So after we came back from the honeymoon, I, you know, we had a little one-bedroom apartment, so, you know, we're coming in, and at night, after dinner, I get my coat on to go out to meet my cousins and my boys. And my wife said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to meet the guys, you know. No, you're not. You're going to stay, in th- you're going to stay with me. And I thought to myself, I just remember thinking, yep, 
<laughs> I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I mean, I had, but I mean, I did go with the boys. But that particular night, I saw the revelation. We, I signed on the dotted line, and you better toe the line. All the men know what I'm talking about, amen? Give me a few of you. <laughs> good. Good. I think I'll just stop now. It's, it's pretty good, but no, I won't. Carry on. So, a funny, st- funny thing, I'm going to give you five ways to get rid of your pastor. So. <laughs> right? These, no. <laughs> five ways to get rid of your pastor. Are you listening? You listen now? You understand my accent all right? Y'all? Sit up front, smile, and say amen every time he says something good. He'll preach himself to death. Number two, pat him on the back and tell him what good work he's doing in the church and community. He'll work himself to death. Increase your offering to the church. He'll suffer from shock. <laughs> tell him you have, you have decided to join the visitation group and win souls for the Lord. He'll probably suffer a heart attack. Number five, get, him, get the whole church to band together and pray for him, and he will get so efficient that some other church will come along and give him a job. I thought it was funny. Praise God. (laughs) I don't know. Isn't these electronic things wonderful? If you get them to work, there you go. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, I won't look it up because I know it's there. The Bible says, by faith Noah, when warned against things not yet seen, built an ark to save his family. Just I'll, I'll use the front part. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Why are we sitting here tonight? We talk, we're going to talk a little bit about evangelism. I'm going to use this scripture for that because it didn't only save his family, he saved his friends. When you and I start believing God for our family, we're going to believe for our workmates. We're going to believe for our friends. We're going to believe for those that we know, our neighbors in the street. We're going to, be, we're going to believe for them in the city. Are you, are you with me tonight? Do you feel me? Because the truth is we are called to serve. We're not, we're not safe to sit. We are called to serve. You know, back in the day, they used to call them pews. You remember they called them pews? You know why they called them pews? Because we sat in them so long, they pewed. They smelled old wooden smell. I, I can, to this day, I can go to an old church and you can smell the pews, you know. But God never saved us to sit. God made us, God saved us to serve. General Booth, that's what he would sign off. When people got General Booth's signature and they asked him to sign books, he would say, General Booth, saved to serve. Safe to serve. And God wants us not just to be a bless me club. You know, it's good and it's great to have to come together and to have the church. But, you know, outside these walls is a vast mission field. Yeah. But, and it's not, you know, we can think, well, you know, it, it's, it's pretty hard. No, it's not hard. If each one would reach one, we can double this place overnight. Write that one down. Each one reach one. That's a good point. Each one reach one. Because it, the truth is, we never, don't think of the big picture. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So like I told you the story, a sad but true story about the, the lady that lost her boy in the river behind her house. Because 
she had it in her mind that it was too deep and she couldn't get in. And that's exactly what the devil would do for us. He would think that the waters of evangelism is far too deep for us to go out and, oh, I'm too old and I'm this and I'm that and the other and I'm not very talkative. It doesn't take a whole lot. You just use what you got. Listen to this. My father was the first one saved in our family probably 70 years ago. And he was up in the north of Scotland. He was a way apart of the, the very most, utter, if northmost part of Scotland. I mean, if you went any further, you fell off into the water. I mean, that was it. You, in Texas, it's hard, you can't fathom that because you're inland. And, but I mean, in Scotland, it's a small country. Only five and a half million people in Scotland. And, and it was called John O'Groats. And he was working there during the war, World War II. And uh, he was going home to see his mother 200 miles south and, and east. And uh, he stopped at this little coffee shop. Now, we call them tea rooms, a tea room. And he sat down and he ordered a cup of tea. And the lady that owned that shop was a Christian. And as he sat there, in between the salt and pepper, there was a touch card, or as the older people would recognize, a tract, a gospel tract. The younger people call it a touch card. And as my father, as a lady went to get his tea, you know, it takes time to boil the water and make the tea. And Amanda, you know that because we are tea connoisseurs, you know. I like coffee, but I'm a tea connoisseur. I'm a tea snob. Like in my house, I use the real leaf tea, you know. I mean, none of this tea bags. I use the real thing. But anyway, she went off to get the tea. And as he read this tract, he gave his life to Jesus. So when she came back with the tea, uh, he said to her, do you mind if I take this home with me? She said, of course you can take it home. Are you a Christian? And he said, yes. And she said, tell me, when did you get saved? He said, I got saved right now. I mean, you know, when you went to get the tea. And that man got saved, my dad. And he's sitting in a little Pentecostal church three weeks later, and maybe 30 people. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, if you remain faithful, I'll bring in all your family. And I'm here to tell you, he did and he did. My father remained faithful, and God brought in all our family, 150 of us saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, 35 of us in full-time ministry, and the next generation is coming up to do the same thing. Are you with me? I think God deserves a hand clap for that. Yes. All because Mrs. Stevens put a tract between the salt and the pepper. God wouldn't ask you to do the impossible. We cannot do the impossible. The finite cannot understand the infinite. So he won't ask us to do something we think we can't do. Like I told you this morning, when he asked Jonah, he knew Jonah could do it. He'll ask you to do things he knows you can do. And sometimes he may just ask you to say, hey, just slip a card in. The next time you're having breakfast, just leave a card or something. In, just with a church address on it, just Jesus love. Just something like that. I mean, be creative in our evangelism. Little did that old lady know what she was doing. When she put the, every morning when she cleaned her tables and put the little card between the salt and the pepper, little did she know that that young man would come in and change. And through that, through my father being saved, we have touched millions of people for 45, for 47 years. We've touched millions of people because somebody took the, the, the thought of evangelizing in our own little sphere. So don't think big because you'll blow yourself away. Think how you can handle it. You know, think, think, because the big, we think the big picture, but I mean, you eat an elephant a bite at a time. Just do what God, you, God wants you to do. Listen to God. The word evangel, it means flame. 
It means to spread the flame. That's all it means to be evangelist. Evangelize. The, the word evangelize is a, is, it's a, it's a Greek word, euangelizo. It's to bring the good news. Bring the good news. In our church back in Virginia Beach, we are not allowed to invite people to church. And you believe that? I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> I mean, I said that joke. It's not a tricky question. This is true. We are not allowed to bring, invite people to church. We have to bring them. And I'm going to tell you something. We need to have a brigade. You know, we need to have a brigade, an Andrew brigade. Remember Andrew? Andrew means Jesus. And Andrew's the kind of person, you've probably heard this before, I'm just gonna, but I just feel this is, this is the flow tonight. So Andrew met Jesus and was transformed. But Andrew was a quiet kind of guy. You don't really read a whole lot about Andrew. But Andrew meets Jesus and thinks, I've got a brother. And if he catches this revelation of who Jesus is, he'll run with it. And we all know who his brother was, Peter. Made all the faults, all the mistakes. And the Bible says in John, I think it's John 7 and 21, or 1 and 21, that Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Say it with me. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. He was a bringer. He was a bringer. He was a bringer. And I'm going to tell you, folks, we need to understand, we need to not just invite people, but we need to bring people to Jesus. Now, we've got to be creative about it, you know? We've got to be creative. And it's funny, you know, when, when, another story was that, they, you know, when they were feeding the, the, the multitude of people, every, Jesus, and I love Jesus, because Jesus said to the disciples, the disciples said, how, how are we going to feed all these crowd? And Jesus said, well, you do it. He turned it right back on them. He said, you do it. So this, this scurry, the disciples scurry, the dirty dozen as I call them, the scurry to find something. And their little boy is sitting down and his mother gives him some loaves and fishes. And he's putting his hand in the bag. He's about to eat one of the most important lunches in history. Right? Would you agree with that? And as he bends down, he sees a pair of feet. It's Andrew. Andrew said to him, hey, Sonny, yo. Well, he could have. You want to see Jesus today? You want to, see, you want to meet Jesus personally? Oh, yeah. Thousands of people. Would you like to meet him right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, we've, have you been watching the Pope in America? I mean, you see the people, the hundreds of thousands of people clamoring to see the Pope. Well, this is not the Pope. This is Jesus we're talking about. And the little boy said, oh, oh, yeah. He said, well, pack up your bag and come with me. And the Bible says that Andrew brought the little boy to Peter, to, uh, to Jesus. Now, here's the amazing thing about Andrew. He said to Jesus, now, here is a lad with loaves and fishes, and I don't know what we can do with that. No, he didn't even have faith for the little boy. It didn't matter. He brought him to Jesus because Jesus had the faith he didn't have. And he said, look, I don't know what I can do for so many, but here he is anyway. He, he's willing to give you his lunch. And Jesus took it from there and, and fed thousands of people. See, it's not what you can do. It's what you can do when Jesus touches what we have. See, when we give offerings and when you're giving, you know, we can give, we can give $100, we can give $1,000, but when we transmute that money into kingdom dollars, it changes 
It's not just $100. It's not just $1,000 anymore because God takes that money and blesses it and multiplies it and it affects people all the way down through history and all, the way, all, all over the world. It's kingdom dollars. You understand that? Because God gets his, Jesus gets his hands on it and it becomes kingdom dollars. And then there's, there's a time when the, 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 Jesus, the people came to Jesus, the, the Samaritans the came to Jesus and said, hey, we would see Jesus. And the Bible says that Andrew and Philip, I believe it was, brought the message to Jesus. These guys, are, the Jews are looking to see you. He was a, are you sure? I'll ask you one more time. He was a bringer. And I want to encourage your heart tonight. Listen, don't just invite, bring him. Bring him. Make a, make a, and here's a good way to bring him. Feed him. Hey, food is people glue. Write that one down. It's a good one. Food is people glue. Because, well, I don't know about you, but it's glue to me. I mean, you know, I, I've met many a friend over a table, you know. If, if somebody feeds me, I'll, I'll remember them, you know. If I just meet you, shake your hand in the church, chance I won't meet, I'll never remember you. But if you feed me, you always remember the hand that feeds you, amen? You never bite it, you remember it. Food is people glue. So, I mean, many times I've taken people to church. I'll say, I'll tell you what to do. Come to church. And we have two services in the morning, 11 and, and 9 and 11. And I said, come to church at 11 o'clock service. And what I'll do is, once we're finished, I'll take you to lunch. And I'm telling you, it's the, most, it's the best money, it's the best investment that you can ever have. Because all we need is to get them in the doors, to let them feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because he can do what we cannot do. Are you with me? And amen. Yeah, give God a hand for that. Amen. You're going to give a hand clap. Give a good one. So understand, it's not a big thing. It's just being obedient to God. It's a faith thing. Amen. So, you know, just don't invite, bring them. Because if we don't evangelize, we'll fossilize. That's another good one there, by the way. I'll have to write that one down myself. Don't evangelize. If you don't evangelize, you'll fossilize. And, and God's not looking for fossils. He's looking for vessels. Somebody that will do something for them. Doesn't matter how small it is. Doesn't matter how tiny it is. Listen, an apple seed, you can't see it. But out, out of an apple seed, many trees come. So don't discount what you can do. Don't discount what you think you can do. Because God knows it. Just a, a seed. Just a tract. A, a touch card between salt and pepper can change a generation. And how many of God wants us to be generation changers? He wants to be destiny changers. He wants to help us. Like I told about, like I said about the little the, the Israelite girl today, she was a destiny changer. She, she changed that man who was a leper. It didn't matter how important he was, how rich he was, how respected he was. He was a leper. But that little girl had something in her. She saw that, that God could meet his need, and she said, hey, I can't help. I can't pay you to go down there. I'm using a little bit of poetic license here. I can't afford to send you down there, but I'll tell you, if you go down there, he will heal you. And, and he did. Sometimes that's all we need to do. Hey, come to church. You know, come, come and see. Come and see a man who told me. Remember the, the Samaritan woman, the Samaritan woman. Come and see a man who told me everything about me. Things I wouldn't even tell other people he told me. Because there's something about the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we evangelize, when we're going out there, and, I, and, I, and Bert was saying that, that you know, you're, you've been evangelized and you've got a heart for, to get out there. That's the greatest thing you'll ever do because you start, you'll get excited about it. Amen? Yes. Well, that was very exciting. 
Amen. I feel you. So it's a hall of faith. It's a hall of faith. And in the hall of faith, we see the life of faith, a progression of the life of faith. The number one is worship. The life of faith in the hall of faith is worship. In verse 4, the Bible talks, Abel offered God a better sacrifice. So I've already said this, but I'll just do- I'll d- double up again. The first thing you and I learn in our life of faith is to worship. That's why I never, I never send new people, novices, out to witness. We get them in the service. We disciple them. We teach them how to worship because as you worship, like I said, you get to know God, God gets to know you. You get to know his voice and he gets to know your voice. Are you with me? So when you do evangelize, when you're talking to somebody, you'll allow the Holy Spirit to give you direction. Have you ever talked to somebody and and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit speaks and says, just change that a little bit and do something else. And off you go and you put the light on. You ever talk to somebody that, that you have to find their passion? You know, like I'm a golfer, right? I'm a bike rider. I'm a golfer. I don't care for football. I don't care for the NFL. I don't understand it at all. So there's no use telling me about the NFL. I'll look like I'll look, I'll look at a deer in the headlights. Yeah, really. Yeah. But you talk about golf. How many watched the golf this afternoon? Everybody watched the golf this afternoon? The guy won $22 million, $12 million today. So it's not bad for a, a day's work, isn't it? So anyway, but what I'm saying is you, you start talking to me about golf and you're my eyes will light up and I'll start talking. We've got to find people's passions. Yeah. When you talk to people, you find out that what, just trigger their passion. And, and you'll find it and then you'll start building relationships. Because, you know, in the old days, we used to go out in the streets and we just, you know, we would never build relationships. We'd just go out there and, do you know Jesus? Do you, know, do you want to come to church? And, and there's a better way. Build relationships. I've got a friend, a dear friend, and he's not a Christian yet. I use the word yet as a yet of faith. Remember the yet of faith? And his name is Butch, and he's a, he's a businessman, and, and I've, I've been friendly with him for 28 years. He's been to Scotland with me several times. He's been to church, but he's never given his life to Jesus. But I've made it a, por- a purpose and a point that I am going to see that man saved. Are you with me? Now, if it vision tarries, wait for it. It will surely come to pass. Because God's delays are not denials. Sometimes we think, well, if it's not done right away, we're wasting our time. No, you're not. I've plugged, I've plugged away with that guy, and he's a best. I mean, I have breakfast with him every Monday morning I'm in town, and, and just I know eventually. And I've told him stories of faith. I've told him stories about how God's uh, provided for me supernaturally over the years, and, 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 and he, he's just blown away. He just, uh, he just cannot. You know, the Bible says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, the, the, the prince of this world is blinded their eyes, so they can't see the light of the glorious gospel. But that's okay, but one of these days, those skills are coming off. And, it's, and maybe you know people like that as well. Well, I've tried, now, but don't give up. Be like Motel 6, we'll keep the light on for them. Because sooner or later, you'll be heading for Motel 6. Are you with me? I prefer the Marriott, but, if I, you know, we'll go for the Motel 6 if that's all there is. But we've got to understand, we've got to build that relationships. My wife has got a senior position, a big mortgage company, and, and uh, you know, the, 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 in her office, there's like 600 people who work. There's 2,000 people that work for them. It's only eight years old, this company. It's an amazing company. It was a friend of mine started it in, in 2008 when the crash came. Him and a buddy started this company. It's a billion-dollar company now in eight years. But they built, they, bought, they built this company to bless the kingdom. That was their, that was their pro, a premise. We'll build this company and we'll bless the kingdom. And last year they gave away $11.5 million to different projects. And, 
And I know that, I believe in our church, we've got a good whack as well, you know. But anyway, so she was working there, and then this guy comes in, and, he, you know, he's only there a week. He doesn't know anybody. And, you know, some of the, some of the people, you know, they smoke, and outside for a smoke. Well, he was going to evangelize them, and out he went, and he said, you know, you shouldn't be smoking, and, this, you know, he would add him. So my wife called him, and she said, hey, come here. You don't even know them. You're, going to, you're the last person to evangelize them, because if you're the evangelist, they'll never come to church. You don't even know them. You don't even, you don't even know where you're, you know, you're only here a week. She said, you need to build up a relationship with some of them before you start condemning them. And sometimes we've been like that, haven't we? Haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a talking, I think, I think you know what I'm saying. But we build that relationship. Some, some of you have got workmates that are not saved yet. But you need to build that. You know, people need to see that we're not nuts. No. There aren't flaky people in the church. I don't know. That, I'm, I'm talking about the church down the road now. There was no flaky people here. But, you know, it's not the church that makes you flaky. You're flaky when you come in. And if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to touch you, you'll be flaky when you leave. It's just some people are flaky. But I'll tell you something. I'm not flaky. I'm not nuts. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly where I'm going. I know, what I know what God has called me to do. And I reckon we're all pretty sane here tonight, are we? Yeah. Nod your head if you're sane. Yeah. Oh, thank God everybody's nodding their head. You know. But you know what I'm saying? We're, we, we can stand a look. We can stand a look. We can get in amongst people and we can, we can stand and, and, and say, well, are you, so what do you do? I mean, it's funny because, you know, you'll always meet people saying, now, what do you do now? Well, I'm a pastor. And normally they, okay. And then the conversation stops. But I make it so palatable that when I say I'm a, I'm a pastor, really, you know, and, and, and you begin to tell them what you do and what's happening because, you know, we're not a legalistic church. We're a church that's going after people. We've got a, we're a church that's got a heart for the lost. And I reckon this church, I, I mean, I know Pastor Bert, and I know this church is not, for, not just so we can have a little bless me club so we can count the size of the goosebumps on our hands when the Holy Spirit moves. I believe this is a church that is a church that goes after the lost. The reason our church is 6,000 people is because our pastor, our senior pastor, he said, I will not pastor a church that doesn't go after the lost. See, 15 years ago, our church was only 300 people. And this pastor came in and, and, uh, and he just said, right, we're going we're gonna to start believing God for the lost. And people started coming in from the north, the southeast, and the west. When you believe it, what you respect, you attract. Now, we'll write that one down. That's a good one. What you respect, you attract. If you respect people to get saved, if you respect business people, you'll get business people. If you respect the poor people, you get the poor people. I believe we should respect them all because God will bring in the poor people, but God will also bring in the business people so you can help the poor people because you, you'll never help a poor person if you're one of them. Are you with me? And how many know the kingdom needs finances? And I'm not taking them an offer. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just sharing this with you. Because if you've been, you know, I'm not taking them an offer. I'm just saying the kingdom needs finances. And I reckon Bert needs lots of money to, 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 for this city to be saved. And God knows what he's doing. We're not going after money. We're going after people. The trouble is you get shysters that go after the money. Remember when Jesus, I'm just kind of rambling here. I'm telling you something. This is, I've just, this is not in my notes. This is what you need to hear. 
And I'm a believer of that. I, I believe in notes, trust me. I'm well prepared. But this is, I'm just meandering a little bit here because somebody needs to hear this. We're not about money. We're about people. Are you with me? Say it. We're not about money. We're about people. And if we get people, money will come. When, G, when Peter said to Jesus, remember in the Bible, Jesus, Peter said, Jesus, we need to pay some taxes. And Jesus said to him, well, I'll tell you what I do. Go down and catch a fish, and the money's in the fish's mouth. In other words, Jesus is saying, you catch the fish, and I'll provide the money. Because how many of people provide, people produce the finances? A hundred people produce a hundred people's finances. A thousand people produce a thousand people's finances. Are you with me? But Jesus was saying, look, you catch fish. And I'll tell you, folks, God asked us to catch fish. And if we catch fish, God will provide financially because the fish produce the money. Are you with me? Now, I know, I mean, I know, I know, and you all know, if you've been in, in the kingdom a long time, you'll know the shysters use that scripture and they'll abuse it. But because it's been abused, doesn't mean to say it can be used. If with the right heart, with the right spirit. It's evangelizing. You know, it's going to take money to evangelize. So let's believe God. We'll get, we'll get people saved. So anyway, I started to say worship is, you know, the, the, the first thing we find out in the hall of faith. The second thing we see is we need to walk. Number one, we need to worship. Number two, we need to walk. In verse 5, it said, Enoch, by faith, Enoch walked with God. We learn to walk. And that's, that's why when we get young people saved and we get older people saved, young Christians, we, we, we have a program called The Journey. The journey 101, the journey 201, the journey 301. And we bring them along every week on this journey. And we teach them what the church believes about tithing and giving. What the church believes about faith. What the church believes about evangelism. And that's how they go their journey. Because you don't want to put novices out in the street. Years ago, I was in Scotland. I was a youth pastor. And we were taken to the streets one night in this little village. We were taken to the streets. And a beautiful night. And I said to the group of 20 people, I said, listen. Don't get all Christianese with them. You know, we've got this Christianese language. Hello, brother. You know, how art thou? And, you know, people don't understand that, you know. And that's a movie. By the way, brother, where art thou? But, 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 you know, be real. We don't speak King James when we're talking to one another, do we? Dost thou enjoy this service tonight? We speak English. So I said I said to him, so anyway, I... I'm standing in the street corner, and it's one of those nights, it's a beautiful night, and you can hear for a long way. So I'm standing in the corner, and diagonally across the corner, one of my young youth group, who was my cousin, I hear him saying to this couple, have you seen the light? I'm thinking, I just told them not to speak Christianese. You know, what are they? I, mean, I can imagine people thinking, light? What light? You know? So I had to call him back. I said, I just told you. How dumb can you be? I just told you not to speak like that. Just ask them, have you heard about Jesus? But that's how we are, though. We get all these Christianese words, and, and it, 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 the people out there don't know what we're talking about. Be real. God wants us to be real. Have you ever gone to a, have you ever gone to a restaurant? And I, do, and I was just talking to Pastor Bert about this last night. But I've, I've gone many times to a restaurant, and there's military people come in, and I've paid for their meal. Yeah, that's... It's amazing. Because, you know, when you get a generous spirit, God replenishes it. You, he'll only, he can only give it to you if he can get it through you. And when you get a generous spirit of giving to people, you know, it, and, and, and often I'll sit in a restaurant and I'll just, even not even military people, I'll just feel the Holy Spirit say, just pay for them. And I'll tell the waiters, I'll say, don't tell them who's paying for it. Just, we'll cover their bill. 
and you walk out, you know, and just, you feel as though you're blessed. And you, you, I was driving on the road one time. I stopped to get gas, actually. And, uh, it, and there was a bit of a con thing going on. People were standing at the gas station with a, a little one-gallon gas tank and knocking your window and saying, hey, can I get $5 to fill the gas tank up? But it was a con, you know. So I'm filling my car up one day, and, and then this, sure enough, I just finished, put up my window, and the lady knocks on the door. And she says, hey, mister, can I get $5 to fill my gas tank? And here's me, God's man of faith and power, winning the loss at all cost. I looked, I said, no. <laughs> just like that, no. So I started going down the road. Now, I'll show you how stupid I am. You think I'm clever, but I'm really stupid. I started going down the road, and the Holy Spirit said to me, go back and give that woman $5. Now, it's stupid enough that I didn't give the woman $5, but I'll show you how really stupid I am. I started to argue with the Holy Spirit. I said, I said, I mean, forgive me, Lord. You know, it's true. I started to argue with the Holy Spirit. I said, no, no, it's just a con. You know, she's not. She, go back and give the woman the $5. Now, I could have given her $50 and never missed it. You know what I'm saying? Because God's blessed. I was two miles down the road, and I had to do a U-turn and go back and give this woman the $5. But this is the point. The moment I gave her the money, I felt a release because I was obedient. And God's looking for obedience. If you're going to be a real evangelist, you've got to be obedient. You've got to be generous. Generous with your words. Generous, generous with your thoughts. Generous with your giving. Generous with your patience. Are you with me? You're praying for some of you are praying for people, and you pray for years, and you don't see even a flicker of a move. That's okay. Don't hang up. Hang on. Because the Holy, God knows exa- the Holy Father. It's been me watching the Pope all week. The Holy Father knows. <laughs> God knows exactly where they're at. God wants us to be efficient. Are you with me? So we, we need to learn to walk. And, and of course, in the last thing, we need to learn to work. In verse 7, by faith Noah built an ark. So God doesn't only want to worship, because some of us are good at worshiping, but we're not very good at walking. And some of us are not very good at walking, but we're, and, but we're good maybe at walking, but we're not very good at working. Are you with me? No, you're not. Are you, with, <laughs> you understand where I'm coming from? I'm not asking you to work tonight. I'm just giving a point here, you know. Like when it's a day for help to, to fix things up in the church. I mean, how many actually come out and do it? And I'm talking about there's some people who can do it, but there's a lot of us don't. It, it should come and don't do it. No, I don't, I don't know most of you here, so I, I'm, I'm only speaking in general terms here. You know, but they say the shoe fits, wear it. But we've got to learn to work. God never called anybody from their beds unless he was going to heal them. But when he called people to work... When he called Samuel, he was working with 12 yoke of oxen. That's a, that's a big bunch of oxen there, right there. And when he called people, he saw the fishermen cleaning their nets. And I used to be a commercial fisherman back in the day. And I'm telling you, it was hard work. But God knew people that were hard workers, and he chose them. Because God's looking for those that will work in the harvest field. Are you with me? So how are we going to evangelize? You ever wonder why we're, do, why we're sitting here tonight? You know, I've been in church all my life. To tell you the truth, I was brought up in church. And I was one of those good kids, you know what I mean? I was the goody-goody two-shoes. I mean, I, what I, I mean, I was just good. My older brother, however, what he didn't do ain't worth talking about. It was, I mean, he was, the, he made, he was the other garment. He, 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 he was in jail and everything. But now he's a missionary in the Philippines. 
Because God is faithful and heard my mother's prayer. Are you with me? So, you know, we've got to understand why, why we're here tonight. I'll tell you why we're here. We're building an ark for the saving of our families. You may be thinking, I'm here to hear pastor. No, you're not. We're, we're here because there's we're, we're something in us. It loves the kingdom of God. And, um, you, know, and, and, you know, I was brought up in church and, and when I was a little boy. You know, I was in church like Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night. Uh, no, Monday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Tuesday and Thursday was the only nights I was free. And I was in church every other night. And I, I'd like to tell you I really enjoyed it. I didn't. It was terrible. I hated it. Because my friends are out playing soccer, playing golf, and, and the beautiful, you know, in summertime in Scotland, it's, it's light to 11 o'clock at night. It's like Alaska, and you could play a whole round of golf from 6 o'clock right on, and it's in light. But I was brought up like that, and, and I would be, maybe when I was really young, I'd sleep under the pews, and, and then when I got a bit older, I used to resent it. Anybody ever resent being brought up in church? Am I talking to anybody here? <laughs> but, you see, I didn't know then, but I'm a father and a grandfather now. But I know now, but my mom and dad was building for the saving of their families. Because chances are, if I hadn't been there all these nights, I maybe wouldn't be here tonight. But somehow the Holy Spirit, you know, I used to go to altar, I used to have an altar call every Sunday night in our church. And I was there every Sunday night. That's how we did it in our church. But obviously one night it took, you know, because here we are, years later, one night it took. And I don't discount people coming to the altar several times because sometimes, you know, you get people at the Catholic church that are used to come to the altars now, but one of these nights it just takes. And they realize, I don't have to come back again because I'm saved, you know, I've got Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? But we've got to understand, we're, here, we're not sitting here wasting time. We're sitting here being taught about evangelizing and about how to save our families. We're building for the saving of our families. Building will take commitment. When Noah built an ark, it was a uh, hundred years it took. But we're the fast generation. We don't like that. We like it now. I want patience and I want it now. How many, how many, uh, five minutes left, Bert? So here's several things you're going to have to be a good evangelist. Are you if you're taking notes, the number one, vision. You've got to have vision for the lost. Our vision should be the same as God's. And what was God's vision in John 3 and 16? That none should perish, but have everlasting life. Vision, we've got to understand that souls are falling into lost eternity every day. And we've got to have a vision for the lost that will motivate us. Vision produces purpose. Purpose produces passion. I'll read that again. Vision produces purpose. Purpose produces passion. And when we get a vision of the lost, a vision of pe where people are going, that produces a purpose for us, and our purpose produces our passion. So we have no fear to go out there and be fearless and do the, and be creative with what we do. Leave the little car, do this, do that, meet with somebody, talk with somebody, take them to lunch. It's still, after all these years, it's still the greatest thrill for me to see people coming to know Jesus. I mean, I've never lost it. I don't want to lose it. The day that I start, I start getting familiar with people come to Jesus, and we have 100 people saved every week, an average of 100. And the day I stop getting excited with people getting saved, I'll quit the ministry and I'll take a job. Because I think it's something exciting with people coming to know Jesus. Number one, we need, we need to have vision. Number two, we need to have wisdom. We need to have wisdom. As a rule, God doesn't use unwise people. Oh, God can use anything. God used a donkey. 
But as a rule, God uses wise people. Matthew 10, 16, I'm sending out amongst the fools, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. He wants us to be wise. He doesn't, walk, he, doesn't, he doesn't want you and I walking down the town with our hands up over our heads speaking in tongues. That doesn't make sense to people. I had a good friend in the Lord, a good guy, an old guy in our church back in Scotland. And he was a lovely guy. I loved Jesus. But that's how he would do. He'd walk down and he'd be just shouting in tongues all the time. People thought he was nuts. I think God wants us to be wise. There's a time and a place for everything. Amen. And I speak in tongues. I speak in tongues as much as anybody probably. But I use wisdom. Are you with me? Wisdom. Here's another one. Determination. We've got to be determined. I was driving on the highway one day, it was quite a few years ago, and, and you know, when I used to drive a lot, but there's our family, the Cameron family used to drive everywhere. Not about fly, so it's not so bad, but we used to drive everywhere. So when you're driving for 500 miles, you're a captive audience. You're sitting there, now, even myself. So if I go like, if it's five hours away from Virginia Beach, I'll drive because by the time you get to the airport and you have to sit there for two hours and get up there, and I'll just rather drive. You get there quicker, you know, with all this security and all that stuff. And when I'm driving, I was driving one day and I felt the Holy Spirit say this. And I was thinking about my friends and my family. You have to be just as determined to see your family and friends saved as the devil is determined to have them. You have to be just as determined to see your family and friends saved as the devil is determined to have them. And how many know he is determined to have your family? And he is determined to have your friends. But friends, don't let friends go to hell. Are you with me? And we need to understand that. Be determined. We've just to be determined. As for me and my house, we will say, we will serve the Lord. Number four. You've got to be friendly. You've got to be friendly. He that would have friends must show himself friendly. God doesn't want obnoxious evangelists. Have you ever met anybody? I've met a few. Obnoxious evangelists would put you off church. He wants us to be friendly. Does people, when you work, if you, in your place of work, do people like you? Because that helps. If people shoot away from you, like this, this old gentleman that was de very sincere with serving God, but when people came down, the, when, when he came down the road, people would recognize him, they would walk to the other side because they were embarrassed because all he'd do, he would shout in tongues all the time. And, and you know, and now he wasn't nuts. He wasn't a nutty guy. He was just very sincere, but he was sincerely wrong, unwise. And even his own family would, would, would stay away from him because they, they, it was too much. But God wants to be wise. God wants to be friendly. Jesus was known as the friend of sinners, not the condemner of sinners. Number, thank you, number five. We've got to be sensitive. We've got to be sensitive. Don't be like a bull in a china shop. When you're talking to somebody, see how they are and see where they're at and, see, and get, get the feel of where, which way you're going to go with them. Amen? Be, be, be sensitive. Hear the voice of God. I, was, I remember I, I was talking to this young girl one time. This is many, many years ago. And, and I was sitting talking to her about Jesus. The first time she'd been in church. And I said, look, you come back next week. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, we'll pray with you. And as I said that, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you ask her now. Now, don't get, I'm, I wasn't one of those pushy guys. I was, I was never been an obnoxious person in that sense. You know, my wife maybe thinks I am, but, but, you know, but I just, I felt the Holy Spirit say, ask him now, ask her now. And I said, Annabelle, look, never mind next week. 
I'm going to ask you now, do you want to give your life to Jesus? She says, yes, I do. And I led her to Jesus. And she's now a pastor's wife somewhere in Scotland. Because I listened, I was sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I always remember D.L. Moody, the story with D.L. Moody when he said to this church, come back next week and I'll pray with you. And that was the week of the Chicago fire. And most of his people were burned in the fire and they never got a second chance. And I always remember that story. No, be sensitive. Number six, be accessible. Be accessible. Be able to be for people, be, be available for people to call you. Be available for people to talk to you. And finally, be an example. Second Corinthians 3 and 2 says, We are epistles known and read by all men. The world don't read their Bibles. They read us. So this is a question I have for you. What is the gospel according to you? What is the gospel according to you? It just, it just takes a little thing. I'll finish with this. I was in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, you know, I, I, I found out that a spoonful of sugar helps medicine go down. I was in Phoenix in the airport. The flight was delayed for four hours, and, the, and all the people were giving the, the ticket agent or the lady, she, oh, they were just giving her hell, you know, just, they were, they were, and I was about 20 down the line, and I came up, and I said to the lady, I said, look, is this the best job you can get? She said, what do you mean? I said, I've just been listening to those people just harassing you, and, and I, I think it's terrible. I said, look, here's my ticket. I, I know that, and, and I saw the guys working on the plane. How many know you know how to work in a, you don't want to fly in a plane that's not working right? I mean, come on. I mean, I have a self, a strong self, a self-preservation, you know? So I said, here you are, honey. I said, look, just whatever you need, I'm fine. So she gave me the ticket back, and I sat down, and I looked at it, and she put me in the first class. Just because I was friendly. Because I was friendly. God wants us to be friendly. He wants us to be wise, sensitive, friendly. Show yourself friendly. And we'll see people starting to come to know Jesus more than we can imagine. Every head bowed.